Hi everyone and a warm welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology talent, transformational change and of course tech as a force for good. I'm your host Professor Sally Eaves and today I'm delighted to introduce this Future of Work special with Dell Technologies, focusing in on the role of AI, particularly Gen AI in this dynamic space. And what can you expect? Well a deep dive here on the very latest in the technology tools and human factors influencing the future of work today. Day, particularly workforce capability augmentation and impacting right across productivity, collaboration, well-being, sustainability and beyond. And with Gen AI, one of the talking points of our time, we're really aiming to unpack here hype from actualization to better support decision making and relevant for organizations of any size. We'll also explore considerations including purposeful application, security implications, ethical AI development, STEM to STEAM skills and and much more. So to get started now and discuss all of the above, I'm delighted to be joined by Karen Plotkin, SVP, Client Solution Strategy at Dell. Thank you, Sally. I'm excited to be here with you today. Oh, my absolute pleasure and so much to talk about today. Such a timely topic. But maybe to start us off, I always have this little phrase, kind of the person behind the tech, if you will. And perhaps we could start there. I'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself, really your journey into technology and specifically, obviously, your role now at Dell Technologies. Perhaps a great place to start. Awesome. Thank you, Sally. Well, you know, I have been at Dell for 25 years now, so it's hard to believe that I've worked anywhere for 25 years. But I started in technology with Dell straight out of graduate school. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be in an industry that was changing a lot and with a lot of excitement. And boy, did I find one. And I've seen a lot of evolution. Um, for Dell Technologies, I've always worked on the client solutions or the PC side of the business. And things have changed a ton over the past 25 years. And it has been a very exciting ride. Um, a little bit of other things about me. I'm very passionate about children and education. Um, I spend time, I'm a board member of our local children's museum that is called The Thinkery. I also do work for Make-A-Wish. Um, I am a mother to 20-year-old twin girls who are in college or away at university right now. I hate being an empty nester, but I'm getting used to it. Um, but what I'm passionate about with children, and I pull this through with my girls as well, is technology, STEAM education, and not just understanding STEM, but how to think analytically, how to ask big questions and the importance of curiosity. And it's exciting for the topic we have today because as I think about generational shift in the workplace and Gen Z entering and ultimately taking over the workforce, that's my children's generation. So that makes it even more important and brings it close to home for me. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think Gen Z or Gen Z are, are driving so much change and, and the passion for purpose, for example, in everything they're doing and, and in their job choices, for example, directly impacting industry in terms of onboarding, for example, but also retention and, and preventing churn too. embedded in purposeful work is really such a key trend, I think. So great to see you talking about that. I literally were talking yeah. about things that matter so much to me. The word curiosity you came up with immediately there, which I think is possibly the most underrated 
limited skill of our time, absolutely critical. There was so much change happening, that ability to not only embrace learn, but learning, but also unlearning too, and to look at how things work and kind of take them apart and look at things from different perspectives. I think it's so, so valuable. So I love that. Really, really great point there. But also that move from STEM towards STEAM. I have a non-for-profit. There's a lot of work in this particular area. And, you know, it's not an either or of arts over here and science, mathematics, etc. over here. That, that combination, different perspectives, different experiences, different learning styles, that creativity and the tech disciplines hand, hand in hand. You know, you need that creative confidence, that imagination and the tech skills to kind of actualize those two. So bring them together, I think, matters so much. So I could speak all day on STEAM. I absolutely love it as a, as a focus area. And it's so amazing to, to see the work that you're doing there, you know, both from a family perspective, but with those non-for-profits, et cetera, too. So a brilliant place to start, I think. Um, and then more broadly, looking at different kind of forces that are affecting work and society today. Obviously, a lot of things from, from a macro level, but also specific industry forces, too. Obviously, skills development being one of those as well. Perhaps we could talk about that a little bit now. What are you seeing, you know, yourself, but also your role at Dell in terms of kind of the key, say, vectors of change that are impacting on industry right now? Well, it, and look, work is an ever-evolving thing, right? And I think there are about four or five factors that are influencing where work is going in the future and how we're going to work with one another, right? And I'll, I'll talk um, at a high level about them, then go into a little bit more details on them, right? It's things like where we work. Right. So a lot of people are equating the future of work to where we work, but that's not just it. Right. There are other elements that are how do we collaborate with one another to innovate? We've talked a little about, bit about curiosity, that intellectual curiosity that is that comes from collaboration. But also, how do we get some of the simpler tasks off of our plate so that we can spend time really focused on innovation? Smarter devices will help us to drive innovation. AI will help drive innovation as well. Generational shift in the workforce. We've already talked about that, right? The search for meaning in the work that we do, that's going to drive the future of work. And then, of course, underlying all of this are changing economic conditions, right? The past couple of years have seen some pretty tectonic shifts in economic conditions around the world. But if you think about, like, if you start with kind of where we work, when we look back at the pandemic, it accelerated a change in the way we work. Um, I was just at a symposium where we were talking about the future of work, and it was interesting. Um, someone on one of the panels said, you know, we talk a lot about hybrid work, but whenever we were operating in a global way previously, we were hybrid. We just weren't doing it very well. And we weren't creating the inclusive environment. And as workers were sent over overnight to work from home and school children were doing their, um, their classes and their school from home, video conferencing became the norm. The PC was center to what everyone was doing. And our PC business, I, look, I was working with sales organizations and we spent a lot of time making sure our customers Customers were enabled and enabling their employees to do their work from home. When you fast forward and you look at today, the PC is the center of work today, right? You can't do your job without having your PC, particularly when it comes to collaborating with others, right? And workers expect to be connected everywhere they choose to work, and they expect to be productive on their own and productive when they're collaborating. Right. And some of the resources, research that we've done recently talks about people join their company because they want to innovate, but they leave their company because they're not able to innovate. And they also leave because they're not given the technology that enables them to do their job. 
So I said a lot there, but there's so many forces that are impacting the way we work. I think it's important to, to unpack some of them and think about place, how we work together, and what are the tools that we use to enable working with one another. Absolutely. I think so many organizations and kind of I think I think if organizations aren't, I think definitely it's something to definitely be focusing on now is is a period of reflection. You know, you were talking about there about recent experiences and a conversation I only had a couple of days ago um, with, with a senior manager in financial services based in very central London. And they were talking about the nature of kind of place, space and pace um, in terms of evolution of their physical office space. And they've been evaluating how productive, how collaborative, how satisfied and how happy their workforce have been over the last kind of 24 months period and it's directly influencing what they're doing for example their renewal of their office space but also how they're using it for example for co-creative activities a little bit about onboarding and personalized training but it's really focusing in on what is the nature of place and, and space and kind of that physical and digital in, interplay between the two but it's really helping people to reflect on that and what's gone really well over that period of time and how we could do things better too but definitely that focus collaboration productivity but also how that's influencing things like happiness team cohesion and areas like that too it's such a such an interesting area absolutely so you've hit on a couple of really important points there and things that i agree with and i love that place space and pace because we want to be able to work from wherever we are right if hopefully you're not working when you're off on a holiday but we know people do that but the spaces that you use you you cross over into space when you're working on zoom or you're collaborating with someone in a virtual way and the device that you're using enables that and it's important to have the right device to be able to do that because it keeps you connected with your colleagues and your peers and even with your family at times. Absolutely. And it's about having that right technology that enables that kind of friction-free collaboration too. Um, yes. For example, I've seen a lot of issues recently around complexity um, and issues around, for example, sprawl. There's so many different forms of, of similar technology or, or tool sets or, te or techniques. And actually it had the opposite effect. So it become a kind of friction point that negated the experience, negated productivity, but done the other way around. My goodness, like enabler is the word that springs to mind and it brings all these elements together i'd love to talk about that in more detail because i've seen this from from different perspectives with dell very very close up and personal in particular around accessibility too which i think has been fantastic so i'd love to shine a light on that really about how you at dell are kind of using technology to support people around productivity and collaboration but also more broadly there as well about kind of some of the well-being accessibility angles too because some great work happening here so fantastic question. And look, this is something that I think about quite a bit in the role that I have today. And look, there's a big difference in the technology and how you choose technology for work or how the technology you use at work is chosen for you, right? When you're outfitting your home with technology, you're making a decision on what you put in your home. And maybe you're a gamer and you want to be the best gamer uh, and or you want to win at whatever game you're playing, you're going to find the best technology to enable you to do that. A lot of times when you walk into a work setting, there's an IT decision maker who's making a choice for what device you're going to have and what you're going to use to be most productive. But when we think about technology and technology for productivity and productivity is really the currency that we're dealing with, with our, with our customers and with the end users as well. Productivity is so important. We have to look at it from the lens of both that end user who's going to be using the device as well 
well as the IT decision maker who is deciding what are the right devices for their environment. And you brought up something around complexity. Both of them want an easy um, device. They want something that gets the job done and is easy to deploy, easy to secure, and easy to manage because no one wants to have a problem at any end of things. So, but the end users also want an enhanced experience, right? They want to be able to get to their work quickly. They want to be as productive as possible, right? No one wants to come into the office and not be able to get their job done, but they also want to collaborate. They want to be able to, to make decisions and to innovate. One of the things that we've been looking at and that we've been doing for about the past five years, we've had AI integrated into our devices. Because what we believe is that a device can get smarter over time and that if we build smarter devices, they will learn along with the end user. Learn things like what application we're using and how do we extend your battery life launching apps faster so that you can walk up to your device it recognizes who you are and it gets you working and gets you productive faster. Because you mentioned pace earlier. That's where pace comes into play, right? The space element is how do you cross into being able to see someone and work with them. Place our end users and IT decision makers want to enable people to work from wherever they are and to be productive wherever they are. And pace is how am I not worried about my battery life and how am I getting to my data and how am I getting to my applications and productivity much faster. Fantastic. Absolutely love those examples too. And honestly, Karen, you just reminded me of something else as well. It's a slight tangent, but I have this expression, purposeful tangent. But another thing I love about what you do with your technology, kind of beyond productivity, sorry, and collaboration is also around reuse. And I wanted to mention that as well, because we mentioned at the top there around purposeful work and also what people are looking for out of work and particularly around Gen Z, but obviously across demographics as well. And the ability to not only do more with what you have, but also, for example, materials reuse so some of the projects you've done for example using some of the components from motherboards putting it into circular economy jewelry that type of thing is also a really excellent example of kind of doing more kind of beyond the tool set to giving back to community as well and I wanted to mention that too because I just think it's a great example of even more that we can do with technology kind of beyond business itself. Thank you for mentioning that. And look, uh, sustainability is a part of everything that we do, right? Whether it's reusing materials, um, making our packaging as recyclable as possible, and everything that we else that we can think of about the circular economy. It, look, that's important to us. And we know it's also important to the end users who are using our devices and to the IT decision makers. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Really, really interesting. I think another point you mentioned there, um, a different area, but but compliance being right up there in terms of organisational um, concerns as well, but also an opportunity to really make a difference. And I think particularly when you're talking about compliance over geographical boundaries that can add to that complexity we talked about earlier as well. So again, I think the technology you have and also looking at things like Apex too, plus obviously your Gen A technologies, all of these things coming together helps to kind of automate these day-to-day -day operational tasks 
glass helps to manage some of the complex requirements to deliver on those around compliance and control. And it really is kind of this embedding of an intelligent, smart ecosystem, I think, around devices and solutions. So it's super, super interesting. And I think it brings us on to a question. Let's drill into AI in a little bit more detail. I mean, literally kind of every news headline, I think this is such a marker of change. You talked about you know, paradigm shifts at the beginning. The fact that in mainstream media, kind of everywhere you look, different channels, possibly there's no kind of headline briefing where there's not something about AI in its different forms. But obviously, there's a lot of hype around that and helping people to still, you know, some of the some of the noise around that to, to the granularity of how it's you know applicable to you, your family, your sector, your organisation, I think is really valuable to drill into. So perhaps as a, as a start of a 10, let's explore kind of Gen AI and what we really feel that is and offers to the impact of the future of work and perhaps particularly from use case perspective, because again, brilliant to bring that to life in that way think. So uh, you are spot on. This is the topic of the moment right now. So the generative AI, look, it has the potential to revolutionize industries, right? It's a change point the same way as the industrial revolution or the invention of the PC, right? Look, you're bringing um, innovation and new possibilities into reach. And I love the direction you took to get into this because what it does is hopefully it should augment and simplify the way we do a lot of things so that we can free up our time and free up our bandwidth and our thought process to focus on innovation, right? By making the tools we use for our work smarter and the applications that we use, putting data at our fingertips that we wouldn't necessarily have had before or where we had to build the spreadsheet and look for the data and run the analytics on it. Now we can free up our time to think about what can we, what can we do to innovate and what can we do to make something better than it is today or what of the world's problems can we solve? right? I love it for enhancing capabilities so you can focus on more important things. Um, But look, as we step back and think about it, usage rates are still quite low. And so our research says that 11% of organizations are widely using Gen AI today. So I love that we still have a long way to go. And I'm excited about the possibilities of what that could open up for us as well, or what that can open up for society, right? Um, so a couple of things where we see um, great applications for it are writing code, designing products, creating and inspiring marketing content and strategies, right? Ability to talk to customers in a different way and to do it at scale, right? To be able to get customization at scale going out to the way we talk about our customers, streamlining um, operations, right? Like the, the list is endless for what we can do, right? Excel scientific discovery and it really by freeing up the thoughts process to focus on innovation I think that's where you get the value from this and I, I am excited about all the possibilities that we see there Oh, I love it. I really do. And a couple of other things springs to mind also because we talked about skills earlier, use of AI yeah. around, for example, learning style identification too. Yeah. So helping people, you know, we talk about smart technology, don't we? But helping people to be kind of smarter learners and understand kind of how we react to things best. Because again, there's no one, no one kind of size fits all really about how we learn. Lots of different styles. AI can help make that difference. And also, I think that helps you kind of be more skills confidence too, because it's not only kind of democratize access 
to skills that's important is also that follow-on piece kind of helping people and be enabled to actually apply them and have the confidence to do that too so I'm also excited about the impact of AI in that facilitation piece there so I love that and all your other examples you're, you're absolutely right you really could have a list that goes on and on there I think it's really yeah. interesting and the marketing one literally yesterday evening and what I loved about this too was it was a training session completely free to access all around kind of conversational app building um, using resources that went all freely available on github etc etc it was bringing more and more people in and it was all around marketing and getting really granular about understanding your audience and it just I'm very excited about how many more people were involved and the audience had opened up so much so again I think it's supporting the rise of kind of citizen development and also crossovers for example now I'm doing some work with the museum at the moment and use of AI is helping bring in citizen scientists and members of the public and schools to help get involved in data that can help kind of reimagine and redefine their own city so I think that's so exciting in terms of what we can do by coming together so so I love that and I think more broadly it also fits into kind of what I call like our kind of age of convergence we're living in now so we have the emergence of AI but also as you mentioned that developer experience so vital pervasion of cloud and obviously security and privacy as well so all these elements all coming together uh, as you said right at the top what a dynamic space to be in it really really is um, and it brings me on to another implication of this we've talked about skills and obviously involved in this as well is, is leadership I wonder if we could share some advice about what you would say to leaders today. And I also think as well to, to people in middle management roles, too, because I think that's an incredibly interesting role that I've done some work with Dell around previously, kind of like the knowledge broker role that could be so important to kind of onboarding new people in, dealing with um, C-suite, for example, too. But such agency for change, but maybe often particularly pressured with some of the complexity we talked about today and some of the pressures also of kind of doing more with less. So from a leadership perspective, from, from different levels, that'd be really interesting to explore your thoughts here around the latest in emergent technology but in particular how we can bring in and embed generative AI to support workers our capabilities absolutely fantastic question and also very timely I had um, my entire organization in for a summit this week and we spent an entire day talking about AI and talking about what the possibilities are and the side conversations were all about what skills am I going to need in the future? So I had a group of consultants and strategists talking about, okay, if our analytics get easier, if crunching data or building PowerPoint becomes easier for us, I can spend more time on storytelling. I, what can I spend more time on? And when you ask about what leaders can do, I think a leader's biggest responsibility is open communication with their team and helping their team understand what the skills are that they're going to need, right? Um, we have to talk about our people to our people that AI will enable them to do better and more joyful activities, right? So we've probably all trudged through creating a PowerPoint presentation about something. Imagine if that becomes easier and you can spend your time focused on the story that you want to tell and how you want to communicate as opposed to, do I have the perfect slide put together on it, right? I think it's important that we take a human-centric approach to AI 
AI and talk to our people about how it enables them to do more. Talk to them about different skills that they're going to need. I love this example. Um, I heard a pop culture example that AI is the Iron Man suit we can put on that will make us faster, stronger, more capable, augmenting what we intend to do and building our abilities at a much greater scale than we have today. That's really exciting. We have to get our team members excited about that. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we as leaders talk to our teams about what skills do we think we're going to need in the future? How might we reskill, upskill, or change the way we think about doing work? We'll ease some of the fears that people have, right? And there, there are absolutely pockets of team members and organizations who are concerned about replacement. We have to talk about augmentation or talk about putting on your AI Iron Man suit and think about all the other great things that you can do with that. That's leadership's responsibility, right? To, to, to communicate that this is augmentation, not replacement. Love that. I think enablement is absolutely the key word here. And it really is, again, that democratization for, for kind of higher order thinking. It's giving that freedom to be able to do that. And you mentioned storytelling there. Great example as well as the fact that obviously we do understand that AI in certain cases would replace certain types of roles or part of them. But equally, it opens up and creates new job role opportunities too. data storytelling, data creation, for example, too, in the sense that, you know, so much data is archived. We're getting more and more and more obviously with, with 5g becoming more and more mainstream too that's only going to increase yet it's around something like 90 percent, i think of data that's archived isn't really used purposefully using that phrase again after three months so again a new role there in terms of kind of what can we use can we use that data for example as a training aid can we use that in an open sharing but secure way to address some of the skills gaps and for example if there is types of roles we can identify that would be affected maybe we can use some of that to close that gap advance so so much so much in that i think is really really interesting but i love the focus on enablement i think it's so key visibility of, of that matters so much and i think you're absolutely right one of the biggest biggest things in leadership today is conveying that and also allowing people's voices to be heard and where there is fear which is completely understandable as well to talk that through and that open active listening i think is, is incredibly important too as part of leadership so i couldn't agree more with that and also supporting leaders with training through this process Process too. You know, I, I was speaking to um, a leader kind of in their first two years or so in quite a senior role, and they were saying, for example, nearly no one in their staff they'd met in person um, because of COVID, etc. And so the onboarding skills there from a leadership perspective, someone in their first role, it'd been incredibly different you know, that they're learning there now all coming together kind of in a hybrid fashion. They've been learning along the way too. So again, making sure there's also support for leadership training itself, I think is another interesting angle on that too. Most definitely. Look, and our leaders are going to need to think differently, right? So the leaders are going to think, have to think differently about what tasks need to be completed, what can be done in an automated way, and then what do we want the people who can make decisions to do based on that data and how that task is happening. And that's going to be a change in the way we lead organizations as well. And that I think is another shift in the way we work, potentially away from traditional management into thinking differently about management and thinking differently about leadership. 
Absolutely. I think in a complementary way as well. And I've, I've seen this um, within some Dell research I've been involved in, but more broadly as well, when we look at things like kind of the intention action gap that we sometimes see in areas of technology and something that even only in the last week, a new research study came out and it was looking at kind of the proportion of leadership that felt that AI would be truly transformational in their organisation. And it was kind of way over the kind of mid 80s and beyond, you know, across a number of studies. Yet when it came to the actualization piece and what was in place from an infrastructure piece but even more significantly from the skills piece there was quite a big gap there in terms of the actualization of that so I think a lot of what we're talking about here not just from technology but more from this leadership perspective from skills and from culture and process etc too I think that's vital to help close some of those gaps as well in that particular area too. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. And and again, just thinking about this, we're really talking about this kind of continual kind of learning for life, but also this continual kind of ability to a- adapt, to iterate and kind of be more confident, I think, to kind of the ambiguity of change at times. So if we're looking at this journey, this continual iteration of AI, um, and again, spelling some of the gaps and kind of giving some balance to everything that's happening, what do you think we can do more of right now to help prepare the next generation for this? But also thinking about maybe older adults that are looking to reskill or upskill too. What do you think, you know, we, how we can help people better with, you know, the only constant being change? So I bring it back to productivity, right? Because if I think about human beings generally want to get better at whatever it is they're doing, whether it's a sport that they're playing, it's the job that they're doing, it is um, raising a family, anything in education, people always want to get better. But at the same time, change is very difficult, right? So so when you want to get better at something, but change is really hard, that creates an interesting intersection where I think we have a great opportunity to communicate differently with whether it's team members and provide them some more personalized ways on what they can do uniquely in a role that they're in today. Right. I also think many organizations, as they're thinking about how to use generative AI in the workplace, are going to find that they have tools and processes and ways of working today that can't be augmented until they are made more modern. And that's a great intersection of people wanting to improve and having to change something, because the first step is going to be, how do I think about things in a different way? Or how do I modernize what it is that I'm doing today? That's also a great conversation for leaders to start having with their team members of, okay, maybe you have a financial task that has to be completed, or an accounting department that has something they have to do all the time and there's a tool developed for that. What might that look like in the future? How do you reimagine what something might look like? And that gives people the opportunity to keep improving what they're doing and to maybe ease into some of the change at the same time. Absolutely. I love that. And you mentioned personalization. I think that's so, so important as well. So I, I always kind of stress that I think when we're looking at training today, the more and obviously it's difficult within certain constraints as well. But I think AI can come into this, as I mentioned earlier, but more personalized training programs within organizations that recognizes different learning styles and, and gives those benchmarks along the way that helps people have those milestone steps. You know, it doesn't have to be overnight. Those incremental milestones of learning can help build that skills confidence too. 
So kind of helping people audit where they are and show progress along the way, I think can make a big difference too. Everything we talked about there about that move from STEM to STEAM, I think really complements what we're talking about there in terms of being more kind of confidence with change too. I always imagine kind of like a, a canvas, you know, for painting or or like a toolbox. And if you give more people more and more different skills to dip into, you know, kind of like the rise of the generalist in many ways, you may have a particular specialism. And I think that's a great thing to have. But actually, the more you've got of all these different areas to dip into with all the different change that's happening, it can give you more confidence because it's more familiar for, for starters. But also you've done different things like this beforehand. You understand what you need to do when these different experiences occur. So I think it helps people to cope with change better as well. If you've got that kind of toolbox of learning to, to, to dive into. So I think personalized training, absolutely right up there. And again, for all different levels of the organization and also things around data literacy more broadly as well. You know, pretty much every role is a tech facing role, isn't it? So I think the more we can do things to uplift and reskill within organizations as well, that will make a massive difference. And actually, I think it was in the latest Dell study, the last three reasons, sorry, sorry, the top three reasons around kind of almost propensity to churn from an organization and, mm-hmm. and the reasons that were really causing concern were all culture related and particularly around skills and particularly around lack of ability to reskill or upskill and kind of feel valued in your role. So it's right up there as a as a number one kind of retention tool in, in many different ways. It really does matter that much today. So yes, yeah, skills, education and technology, I kind of always say they go hand in hand, don't they? Well, you can't separate the technology that we use to do our jobs every day, the technology that is um, driving everything happening in the world and the individual, right? It's really hard to pull those apart. I love where you're going with learning styles too. Um, I have a, my organization at Dell right now is consultants and strategists. And what I figured out in leading this team and in my years of um, leadership and management experience is it's important to know how the individuals on your team learn and what are the ways that you can really help them grow. There might be someone who is fantastic at storytelling, thinking about a consultant, fantastic at storytelling, but maybe needs some support in problem solving or someone who is fantastic at problem solving and comes up with a great answer, but needs some support in a different area. And maybe they learn in different ways. Maybe someone is a visual learner. And once they see an example of something, they're able to I get it. And now I know what to do. Maybe someone needs to study it on their own and have some very quiet time and read about it and try it a couple of times and try it in a safe space. I think it's important for leaders to really think about that now and think about that in different ways. How can both AI enable people to learn in the ways that are most important to them, but as we need to reskill, giving people the space that they need in order to build those skills in a way that works for them, right? Because not all of us learn in the same way and not all of us are going to respond to having to change what we do or changing the tasks, right? Even curiosity, there's a continuum of how curious people are, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who's super curious, they're going to go figure it out and learn it. You might have to pull some people along with you at the same time. 
Absolutely. It also reflects, I think, that move beyond um, mentorship to sponsorship as well. When you can recognise that, you know, as a leader and see where somebody's strengths are, but also where they might need that extra kind of little bit of support to say, you know what, you could do that or even putting someone forward for something too. I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it's uh, it's such an interesting area. And I love the fact that you're doing so much work in this as well. And obviously with the non-for-profit side of things too, it really is so, so important. I think it can make a huge difference. I really do. Yes, absolutely. And look, just thinking a minute about like education and pulling um, the next generation along, I, that is a critical part of this. And look, when, when I'm hiring for a role and when I'm looking for someone to, to join our organization, the number one thing I look for is intellectual curiosity. Do you want to know how things work? Do you want to break things down? Do you really want to understand why something is happening or how we could do, do it better than we are today? And I think there's a foundation and steam there. You said it earlier around that art is not a separate thing, right? Because everything we do, there's an art and a science to it, right? Storytelling, we've, we've talked about that quite a bit. I feel like that's an art, but then there's also a science to how do you structure it and how do you structure it in a way that will be memorable, but pull in interesting anecdotes or make it exciting for people who are listening. And look, I, I have a lot of passion for STEAM education. Um, I was actually going to be a visual arts major when I went away to college and ended up in technology and doing something completely different than that. But I think I can still draw on that. Uh, pardon the pun on that. I can still pull from <laughs> that and understand how how to visualize something or how to think about it in a different way than the traditional structure you might see on something. Now, you have to have that structure as well. So it becomes about balance. And by nurturing STEAM education, I think we help children and the next generation of workforce find that balance of the creativity as well as the structure. I love that. And, and you made me smile there because it also great message, I think, to share is the fact that there's no one linear path into technology as well, you know, particularly when you consider some of the talent gaps at the moment, too. And, you know, that real and a mutual desire to get more and more people from the broadest diversity of backgrounds possible and experiences and learning styles and perspectives in every single way. A, what a dynamic space to be. But I think you, you, you've shown so many examples of that in that conversation today really brings to the fore what you can get involved in. Also, I was thinking about Cognition when you were talking there, uh, going back to learning styles, because I think that also alongside AI, if you explore that, it can help you identify what really works with you. So the same way we talk about, you know, technology that grows as you do, I think that's a great way of identifying kind of how you learn, understanding that and working through it and kind of finding the bits that kind of really float your boat, you know, that get you excited, get you interested and help you to retain or to reflect or to look at something differently. So I think that's another useful area for people to take a look at as well. I completely agree, right? It, it, because we've talked about this a couple of times, right? People learn in different ways. They think about things in different ways. And as leaders, we have to acknowledge that, right? We, we have to understand and give people the space to, to reskill and to learn, but also they might, our workers might be the ones who are identifying the new skills that they need. So, uh, like I said, I loved the conversations I heard from my team after we did about six or seven hours of understanding AI, really understanding how it's going to impact our industry those side conversations around what does this mean for me in the future? And there was excitement in that. 
I love that. I love that. And that kind of what does that mean to me? And and what skills kind of do am I thinking about? That's also reminded me of a different conversation that I think fits in brilliantly too. So I was at a judge at Hackathon quite recently, and it was very much related to technology for SDG outcomes, particularly around all things sustainability. Teams kind of hybrid. So I was there in person, but, but it was obviously a, a hybrid digital version element of it too. Teams that I'd often never formed before that day as well, over kind of 48 hours, brilliant, brilliant experience. What I loved about that, not only was kind of the experiential learning that was happening, that team building on the fly and all the different skills that make a difference. So not just the capacity to code, for example, but the communication skills, the ability in the team to convey that story, to get buy into your vision, to go and do the field testing. It was such creativity alongside the technology. It was kind of the embodiment of STEAM in, in, in so many different ways, but also speaking to a few of the young people there about what they were looking for in job roles. They were saying, Sorry, I love this. We love being involved in this. But you know, when I go for a job in the future, I don't want to be doing a CV and I don't want to do I want to kind of talk about what I love and what I think I can make a difference to in the organization. And they were talking about, you know, can I do a video upload on my phone about my passions and what what I don't know, but what I'd like to know more about and, and just reframe kind of what applying for a role is, kind of saying, This is me, this is what I care about, this is what I don't know, this is what I'd love to learn more, rather than going for a job title role in that type of way so that was really interesting and equally a different project I've been involved in is kind of reimagining job descriptions actually so a different way on the same kind of area but speaking to a different organization one of their challenges was they're saying um, people feel they want to make a difference but they don't know how to so embedding things within job descriptions, it shows where, like, where they are making a difference, where there's agency for change. So going that extra step to break down roles like that to show how they can contribute. So some of the SDG, for example, impact can make a big difference and really give that feeling of the value and worth and show how vision kind of goes through to that actualization too. So I, I went off on a tangent myself there, but, but I just think it's a fascinating area. And so again, so many different kind of lenses where to look at that from. I, absolutely. And look, I, our research on Gen Z and what I see as we hire recent grads into the organization or even with my own Gen Z children yeah. is purpose driven work is really important and they want to work for corporations and um, in industries and they want to work for a company that has a vision and that has a mission that is doing something good for mankind or humankind, right? So, so that, that's what I hear from Gen Z and they, but they also have a lot of curiosity, lots of questioning, lots of questioning why we do things. And that might just be, um, having teenagers or, or just past teenagers questioning why on everything. But, but I think that's really embedded in that generation is to question and to ask why. And that's exciting as we think about where work is going in the future. I love that. And to make you smile, you did a little pun earlier and it, and it made me smile. I'm going to have to say this now as well, because when, when you were talking there about the why that the kids often yes. ask as well, another one is kind of the, are we there yet? Isn't there in, ter in terms exactly. of journeys and things? <laughs> And around sustainability, I think that's a really interesting point as well. Again, there, there, there was an event, like, this is about a year ago, but what I loved about this the most, kids, kids were, their views were really taken into consideration. They were on the stage. And one of the, my big memories of this was the fact of like, 
well, why aren't we doing this? And what, what, it, none of the barriers were there, you know? It was all, we must be doing this. And there was such a clarity of, of the purpose and the why. And obviously, I, I know there has to be balance, but it was just the purity of the vision around that was so lovely and inspiring. I think we can kind of take a lot from there in, in terms of things as well. I, I think I just thought that was a lovely thing to do. Absolutely. That's a great anecdote. Oh, fantastic. And I know we have to bring it to a close. And I, and I had a final question, really, in terms of obviously so many different topic areas today. And I love the fact they're all kind of intersecting as well, which I think is so kind of resonant of where we are in the world with integration at the moment. But I love to kind of have a tangible, you know, at the end of something for people to think about more. And obviously we'll share loads of resources as well, because there's amazing things. And I'd love to include your know, not-for-profit and everything in that too, if I may. I'd love to do that. But perhaps... Yeah, there's one kind of action item to take away for people to consider right now. Aside from be curious, <laughs> I'm going to get in there straight away with that one. I'd love to hand it over to you kind of for a final word there. What would your final reflection be about kind of what to think about more of or do next? Kind of uh, over to you where you'd love to take that, Karen. So, so look, the future of work is about so much more than just where we work or how we work right? Gen AI and the right tools have the potential to unlock so much more innovation. And it requires leadership. In order to do that, we have to lead. And as leaders, we can approach this new world and we can approach the future of work in two ways. Number one, we can retrofit what we do today with new technology, right? That would be interesting. What we what's going to work the best is reimagining what we do today, reimagining work, finding that innovation, finding new ways of working with one another, and pulling that through our education systems, leading our teams in that direction so that we have reimagined we're working in different ways. That's where I think the magic will happen. And, and that's where I see the future. And that makes me extraordinarily optimistic about our future as well. I love it. I love it. I was, I'm talking aloud here, but I think we might have to have a kind of little tagline for, for our discussion today about kind of reimagining the future of work with space, place and place. I think it brings together so many different elements we've talked about today across the technology, across areas like productivity and collaboration, but also experience, sustainability and, and kind of shared value too. So many different areas and obviously equally important, the skills piece, the culture, change management, the right process. So really, I think a holistic view on the future of work, but I love the fact that we've had so many tangibles in this as well. So Karen, thank you so much for your time today. I, I would love to revisit this in the future as well well because such an area of continual change and love the work you're doing to support the enablement all around that so thank you so much for your time today thank you for having me uh this was uh, this was a lot of fun and i loved our conversation and i loved how many different directions we were able to go with this so huge thank you to you for having me Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen. And to everyone watching as well and listening in on tomorrow's Tech Today, thank you so much. We really value it. And for all your questions too, as I said at the top as well, we'll be sharing all the assets around this and some amazing non-for-profit work in this space too. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.